Welcome to Capes, Cows and Masks, the show where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. And welcome to our weekly review show of the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, WandaVision. Today we'll be looking at the fifth episode of the show, titled On a Very Special Episode. And boy, this was a special episode. Directed by series director Matt Shackman and written by Peter Cameron and Mackenzie Dorr. I'm your host, Jay Carr. I'm a podcaster, writer for Fresh Take Hub, sound designer. And as always, I'm joined by a special guest on the show, Tom Gapper. How you doing, Tom? Okay, not too bad. Yeah, Tom Gapper here, your resident, what did we land on, comic book Shogun? Yep, that's Stop. it. Shogun, that's the one. Yeah. I, I was tempted just to like come up with a different one each week, but I kind of like Shogun now. Um, so screw any running <laughs> jokes that we might have had. This, this is it. <laughs> I mean, Sh- Shogun implies wisdom, yet you're like a warrior. So, I like yeah, I, I'm very wise when it comes to comics, and I will fiercely defend any of my faves from controversial views and <laughs> terrible writers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and uh, I, I'm. Very much looking forward to discussing this week's episode of WandaVision because, oh my god, so much happens. So much happens. Yeah, man, I thought after last week's episode, we might be taking a break from, you know, all the, the momentum and the, the info dump. But uh, no, we were in for another ride in this episode. And yeah, I mean, let, let's sort of get, get straight into it then. So um, what were your sort of overall thoughts of this episode this one being as well the longest we've had so far i mean if you if you include the the seven minutes of credits again (laughs) uh, it it does clock in at 41 minutes but uh regardless of that it is still the longest episode so far so uh, what did you think yeah i thought it was fantastic there was a lot more in again like as you said i was kind of expecting them to not so much take like a, a back burner but more sort of like maybe we'd just be a bit more focused on the wonder and vision of it all. I thought we'd maybe take a break from Sword at least. So the fact that it, it was the whole episode just switching between Swords and the Wonder Vision reality, it was pretty cool. It did move things along a lot. We got a bit more Darcy and a bit more Woo, which, you know, I'm always happy for. Because I know we were talking about it last week, thinking that they probably wouldn't be swapping between the two because, you know, switching between aspect ratios constantly might get a bit jarring, but I thought it worked really well because they sort of switched at, like, sort of really natural, like, places to just, like, move to the other reality. Also, I really loved the advert in this episode. (laughs) As soon as it came up with the slogan, like, when you make a mess that you didn't mean to, I was just like, okay, that seems a little dark a bit it's a bit on the nose as well isn't it yeah which is actually why like i mean we'll talk a bit more about it when we get to speculations that advert especially made me think that wanda's not in control of the adverts at least because that seems Mm. like a joke mephisto would make not a joke wanda would make i don't think she would joke about the lagos situation considering Uh, yeah pretty traumatic experience for her yeah yeah so (laughs) But yeah, overall, I thought it was a 10 out of 10 episode. Easily my favorite so far, though I seem to be saying that after each episode. Can't wait to see next week's because I think we're... I think from this point onwards, we're just it's just going to escalate constantly until the finale. We've only got like, well, uh, like four, four episodes. episodes yeah, so I think we're going to start seeing like a ramp up in everything, especially with Vision obviously being a bit more aware of what's going on. Mm. We'll, uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Yeah, uh, I pretty much echo all your thoughts. After having like a dedicated episode to S.W.O.R.D. last week, I thought we were definitely going to go back to like the traditional sitcom of it all. And I was I said on the show, I was like, I don't know how that's going to work. I think it could be quite jarring with how you edit that because Dave said that it's going to be interconnected. And I'll hold my hands up like I was wrong and I'm happy to be proven wrong. Dave, you were right on this one. I always do this to myself because I always question whenever Marvel tries to do something new. I'm like, oh, how are they going to do that? I don't know how that's going to work. And I should really stop doing it and shut up because they knock it out of the park every time. Like, I thought they redefined the show in a way in this episode because they manipulated the boundaries between the family sitcom and the typical like MCU drama that we're used to. Like, 
it sees the sword storyline coexist with what's going on in Wanda's sitcom reality. It's really interesting as well because rather than get uh, maybe a one-note style sitcom with a bit of surrealism at the end, we're constantly switching between the two storylines for two different perspectives and it's also refreshing to get two different visual styles uh, going, if you know what I mean. And the editing was done perfect. The aspect ratio of the sitcoms did change. I don't know if you saw it, it was all full screen this time for the 80s. So I think that probably helped it as well, that the transition to the reality and Wanda's sitcom reality. Again, the performances are just amazing. I can't give enough praise to the two leads, which obviously Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, but the supporting cast as well are just knocking it out of the park. Like a word I'll say about Tiona Paris as Monica Rambeau. Honestly, in this episode, she kills it like like she did in the last episode and the previous episode before that. But she's such a complete badass. You know what I mean? Like you just know what type of character she is. And like eventually, you know, if, if our theories are correct and speculation leads to it, that she will eventually become Photon. But right now she hasn't got any of those powers and I'm loving her as a character. And if they keep her, if they build to her getting Photon as this, I, I'm all for it, you know. Don't rush to the power set because I love Monica as she is right now. Uh, and then also shout out again to Randall Park and Kat Dennings because they are adorable. They're just amazing. I love seeing these two uh, together. And I was actually thinking, man, it'd be really cool if they did like an Agents of Swords spinoff with these three. That would be... They've actually kind of talked about that. At least uh, Kat Dennings and Randall Park have both come out and said that um, they'd like to do a kind of... X X Files style spin-off where it's just those two just investigating different like sort of weird activities within the MCU and I would 100% be down for that because it's kind of like that sounds like the perfect show to actually just pull in some really niche Marvel characters from because you can get away with it because you know you're mostly there for Darcy and Jimmy but yeah I thought they would delight this episode and I would love I, I, I think they should just like commission that show right now just tell us yeah next year you're getting a i don't know lewis and woo i'm sorry you want me to hold the babies should we just take it from the top Uh (laughs) (laughs) don't be silly vision let's let's let agnes give it a try we start this episode obviously we're in the 80s now what sort of sitcom influences did you find out? I mean, the quite obvious ones were Family Ties, Growing Pains, Full House, Family Matters. I don't know if you sort of spotted any other homages to sitcoms. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. When it comes to sitcoms, the 80s probably isn't my strongest suit. A lot of the stuff I watch is like either 90s onwards or like 70s or before. I can't. Other than the ones you just mentioned, I can't really think of many of the... 80s comedies but it definitely like I, I know enough about the 80s and like how the setup was there that like I was understanding like the homages they were making there so yeah unfortunately a little out of my wheelhouse that one um 80s comedies but um I still thought the episode was like very compelling I still enjoyed like the comedy bits although like I was mostly here for this uh, for the surrealism this episode and just the, the breaks in character Catherine Hahn especially was just brilliant this episode, like if we're talking about performances. Because obviously I 100% agree, the two leads and Tiona Paris and Darcy and Jimmy, they've all been fantastic. Paul Bettany especially in this episode I thought was brilliant when he kind of like just snapped and yelled at Wanda when she was trying to roll credits. Yeah, I thought he was delightful then. But yeah, in terms of homages, I'm... uh, and unfortunately, I lost to think of anything other than, as you said, Full House, Family Matters and all that. The intro was very tied to like family ties and like, you know, with the painting and stuff like that, how it starts. So I, I love the 80s aspect of it all. I'm a huge admirer of the 80s era. The production design of the house, the costumes, the hair. Oh, my God. The hair on both Agnes and um, Wanda was just incredible. I'm just like, yes, that's the 80s right there. And it, very colorful. So, yeah, I loved all the homages and, you know, just the general era of the 80s. I thought they pulled it off really well. Let's get into the actual story then. So we pick up the story from where we left off with the twins being born. 
And Wanda and Vision are trying to get the babies to fall asleep. I really find it funny that uh, Vision remarks, he's like, I tried reading Charles Darwin, The Descent of Man and Selection in Relation to Sex, but it just made them cry even harder. <laughs> also very interesting that he chose to reference that book, considering who makes an appearance towards the end of the episode. We'll get into that later. I just think it's interesting that he's picking a book about evolution, specifically human evolution. Um, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. If I oh sorry if I didn't say this up top people this is obviously spoiler heavy yes. we're going to be talking all the spoilers here it's really interesting because from the opening scene right it's this is where the show really takes a turn I think from the previous episodes is that it's it's straight into the sitcom but it's also straight into the surrealism within the first scene of the episode like Wanda is unable to put the kids to sleep and she's trying to use her magic aunties like sleep and they're not going to sleep so it seems like her powers are limited in some way with the twins as it was with the stork that we saw in episode three which is interesting because obviously the stork is somehow attached to the twins because it's you know it's delivering the babies it's the painting in the baby's room so what did you make of all this well you know what they say just kids you can't control them but yeah i thought there was a lot going on with the twins in the whole episode where like, I, I was just kind of just trying to figure out exactly what they are precisely. Because, yeah, they seem to have their own powers. Like, we saw them age themselves up, and we know that they know how to do it because of, you know, that one scene where they look at each other and they're like, no, don't you do it, and then it's like, oh, we're ten now. They seem to know a lot about their mother as well like they know that she can raise the dead so to speak and yeah just i i did think like it was alarm bells initially when wanda was just like well why won't you do what i want like because it was kind of played in a way that you could just like blow it off as just like part of the sitcom set but i was looking at it as well it would be very odd her finding some beings within this town that she can't control but I think it probably has something to do with how these kids were created, because they certainly were not created the conventional way. They cannot be biologically real. So that is probably why she can't control them, because they're not actually human in any sense. They are either just purely her creation, or if we're going by like the sort of comic books, which we probably are, they are created out of Mephisto's soul, and are then destroyed when he comes back and yeah because i think that there is some sort of magical barrier between her and the kids uh, and i do think it ties with agnes as well because this episode really tries to ham at home that wanda is in control of everything too, but there's there's all this little things like the fact that she's got amnesia over what's happened at some areas I was watching Agnes very carefully this episode, especially the second time watching it, because I was just like, the way she's acting is not like everyone else in the town. The performances of Catherine Hahn in this particular episode as well is very telling. Like, there's just something off. Like, because there's there's an element of Agnes showing up as well whenever they're needed at that point do you know what i mean like uh, some form of distraction or something which vision points out later on in the episode with the dog kennel so you know in this part of the episode that the opening scene you know they can't get the kids to go to sleep so she comes in with all her aerobics gear which i just thought it was amazing and i found it she says that oh i've got a couple of tricks up my sleeve you know that i think that's reference to you know her magical abilities and the fact that in the episode when the twins age up, they only they age up twice in the episode, and both time Agnes is there. Yeah, and she's just not phased by it at all. Yeah, and not phased by it at all. And the fact that she's also doesn't seem to be phased that Wanda's doing magic. And it's also worth pointing out that back in the sword base, where they've got all like the cast members and their IDs, Agnes is still not ID'd. Yes, they still haven't cast her at all so she's but there is like that one shot from i think the promo for episode six that kind of shows vision doing a similar thing to what he did to norm to agnes but i think that's possibly like a red herring there because i think she's one of the f- 
few, if not only person in town who's just fully aware of everything that's going on, is fully aware of the situation, and is in fact helping Wanda. I found it so creepy in that first scene where it just sort of breaks. The music just cuts out, all the audio cuts out, and she's like, should I do that again? Yeah, should I take it from the top? Yeah, and then there's just this scene, you know, when Vision's looking at Wanda, Wanda's, and there's just like this David Lynch-style uneasy tone going on, and you're just like, uh, what just happened there? Like, And then she just tries to brush it off casually, and I'm just like, okay, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> is Agnes aware that Wanda is creating a sitcom show? I, I don't know. It just seems weird. Like, is she fully feel as if she is, like, an actor in this? Well, yeah, because if, if you recall, like, I can't remember whether it was, like, two or three weeks ago. On a, well, it was on a previous podcast, but I did point out how, like, Agnes did seem, like, fully aware she was within a sitcom and seems to be, like acting up the role you know she she really seems to like enjoy it, it she does seem like she knows each era she's in she knows exactly the stereotypes and how to play into them she's definitely like aware of what's going on it's just the fact that like i mean it could appear it's appearing at the moment that she is a friend to wanda but we don't know that and i still actually think that it's entirely possible that Agnes is potentially a mislead and is not actually Agatha Harkness and is maybe actually Mephisto in disguise just to throw us off. Yeah, I thought that as well. I'm also thinking now at this stage, it might be too much to expect both Agatha Harkness and Mephisto at play here. I, I was thinking that might be a bit much actually to explain to the general audience. Yeah, especially with only like four episodes left. They, they'd basically have to reveal the Agatha Harkness angle in full in the next episode i think to be able to fit it all in but it might I, I don't know if that would like take things off beat maybe i don't know maximoff and her twin brother pietro were 10. the twins were subsequently radicalized volunteering at hydra it's an oversimplification of events but yes pretty much after the first scene we get into the intro which was again just hilarious cheesy in design and the song in the background Wonder Vision, like it's brilliant. Like, but I also think there's there's something to be said here about you know all the baby pictures of Wonder and Vision, uh, <laughs> especially Vision. Vision like those are, those ones crack me up, man. <laughs> oh, I was in tears at that. I was. Like, oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I, I also I, sh I would have to say this one. It I thought was the funniest of all the episodes we've had so far. Like I found myself laughing a lot more in this one than the previous ones. I don't know if I, if I agree with that. I think maybe the second episode for me is still my favourite in terms of humour. Just because of the magic show and Paul Bettany just was, was delightful. But no, I, I, did, I did think it was, it was still pretty funny this episode. But I think maybe the reason I wasn't able to enjoy the comedy as much is because I was just constantly on the lookout for anything out of the ordinary. Because of the fact they throw in that weird Agatha, sorry, Agnes scene at the start. I was just then like, because they throw you straight in, just like, yeah, yeah, we're we're not we're being weird this episode, and I was like, right, where is the weirdness gonna come from next? Turns out from the kids acting, ah, that was mean, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that that was a bit mean, but uh, never mind. <laughs> hey man, they're but, kids, they're learning, they're learning. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't like to be too harsh to child actors because you know it's a harsh industry, and they're kids at the end of the day. It was a little stilted. So after the title sequence, we then go back to S.W.O.R.D. And we cut to, like, Monica getting scans after, you know, being shot out of Wanda's reality. The readings turn out blank. Now, what do you think this is, Jude? I think this may be a combination of, you know, somehow being in, like, the hex, uh, as they're calling it, and now they're calling I it the hex. I love that they're calling it that as well. That made me... So yeah, happy. shout out to Darcy for that. Um. And also, I think that whole thing ties into a theory you had a few podcasts ago, especially because of that one line when Director Hayward is like, hold on, hold on. So she's got crazy powers, but she doesn't have a weird nickname. He's like, oh, no, not a one. With the hex, with that line, I think you're right. They're definitely, at some point, even if it's in passing, going to call her Scarlet Witch within the show. I think that's definitely going to happen now. 
But yeah, going back to Monica, I think it's definitely a sort of very early sign of her burgeoning powers. I don't think it's going to like directly cause her powers to come out, but I think it was maybe like the catalyst or something that will begin that transformation. So whether like Rambo will become Photon at the end of the season or whether like they just play it out and then they just tease it at the end as like a plot point for Captain Marvel 2 and that's when she'll fully become Photon um, I don't know but I think it's definitely going to tie into that and I think it'll also tie into how they can get back into Westview because I'm pretty sure that thing Wanda did to the energy war where she turned it all red I think that was her way of basically making sure no one can just wander in again but maybe now Rambo can because as I previously stated in a few episodes and was very adamant about if you want someone to break through an impenetrable energy wall you want someone who is composed nearly entirely of light and I think that is basically what's going to be happening to Rambo as we go on and I think she's going to be the catalyst for getting back in there and trying to like fix everything up so yeah I, th I think it's definitely as I said a vehicle for to set up Rambo's future powers and also their so that they can just come back and go, oh, well, this is a reason why they can enter back into Westview despite the impenetrable energy wall is because mm. Monica's she already been through. She's covered in the Hex energy so she can pass through. I think that's definitely why that was there. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. I think you make a lot of sense. I mean, it would kind of would make sense that Monica would be the one to go back in because in the next scene where they're having like this briefing, you know, this director Haywood guy, as I said from the previous episode, the dude is bad news. Do you know what I mean? Like, he just reeks of bad news. Like, and he's, as a, a military general would do, he's like, oh, she's the issue. She's actually victimizing all the people and stuff like that. And Monica and Jimmy Woo are kind of like, well, ha hang on, you know, there might still be something else at play here. So, yeah, it would make sense that Monica would be the one, like the, the friendly face, as we saw at the end of this episode as well, that she was trying to reach out to Wanda in a friendly manner, that she would be the way back into Westview. So um, in this briefing as well, I'd like to give a shout out, another funny line that when um, Jimmy Woo is going through her Wanda's history, and then uh, the Hayward steps in, he's like, oh, they were adopted by Hydra and stuff. And he's like, well, that's a noble simplification of events, but yes, that's... <laughs> Yeah, and the face Hayward gives him afterwards as well. Like, he's just like, you what, mate? You what? Yeah. Um, I do think with Hayward, because I, I do agree with you, like, he's bad news. I was getting weird vibes from him from the start. The current theory I'm developing is because, I mean, he's most likely a Skrull. If he's in Sword, he's most likely a Skrull. We know Secret Invasion is coming. Maybe his gung-ho attitude is simply because if you are planning on, like, covertly taking over the Earth with an army of Skrulls, Who's the one person that you want to make sure is off the table? Maybe the one person who, as they stated in this episode, came the closest to defeating Thanos. Yes. The only reason he didn't lose to her is because he rained fire on the entire battlefield. So it does kind of make sense if the Skrulls were aware of that, aware that she almost one-shotted Thanos, and now that her powers are growing, they're going to want to take her out. I think also as well, like... He, he brings up in that briefing again, just like she's gone against the Vision's wishes by taking his body, resurrecting him. That was fucking huge. That, you know, that bit of info that where they showed that CCTV footage of her infiltrating the S.W.O.R.D. headquarters to seal Vision's body parts. I thought, I was like, whoa, what the hell? Like, Yeah, but here's my question, P Director Hayward. All right, it is my fucking <laughs> question. <laughs> If she did break into that facility to steal Vision's body, to turn him into a weapon, as they say, whatever, why was his body there in the first place when the first part of your organization's name has something to do with sentient weapons? Yes. Why was he in complete pieces when Thanos only broke off part of his head? And why would Wanda get so defensive and angry? about? And that, that line, when they have that showdown, and she's like looking at Hayward as she says, no one will ever take it from me again and just that little look she gives him and the look he gives her it they were clearly messing with vision's body either to try and just weaponize him or figure out how to make more weapons out of him or just to make more of him or something because it goes against wanda's character completely she wouldn't just lose it and go 
get you know break into a sword headquarters for no reason i think yeah because as upset as she seemed at the end of endgame that conversation she had with hawkeye by the lake even though she was like clearly distraught and upset she seemed to have it together like well under the circumstances like more than she had a right to be she had the right to just be in complete pieces but she seemed like a bit composed and just like well it kind of it is what it is we just have to live our lives and move on so for her to then just be like i'm gonna break into a top secret government facility and just smash boom clack hex yeah so i I think definitely sword were fucking around and uh they're about to find out the consequences of their actions (laughs) the same as shields man you know good guys on the face of it but when you actually look a bit deeper they're always messing about aren't they did you name him yet Oh. <laughs> How about Sparky? <laughs> well, should we make it official? At this point, we go back to the sitcom where the twins, Billy and Tommy, now 10 years old, uh, have found a dog. And I mentioned this in our group chat, Tom, but I squealed with joy, and I'm sure you did as well, when they eventually named the dog Sparky. I squealed with joy, and then I was immediately terrified at the potential consequences of, of what's <laughs> going to happen here. Yes. <laughs> uh, no spoilers for people who haven't read the Vision comic, but that is a reference to the dog that the Vision family has. It is a synthesoid dog, all covered in green. And in case of, in case listeners haven't read it, I highly recommend reading uh, Tom King's The Vision. It is spectacular tom i for the last i don't know how many weeks and months on this show i have been saying that nearly on every episode (laughs) that people should be reading that (laughs) yeah it's it's just phenomenal i mean even if you're not reading it just to like get the hints or like the homages in one division just read it for what it is a fantastic piece of literature Mm -hmm. yeah so at this point in the the episode as well when they're getting the dog Agnes comes over. There's more of this Wanda using her magic in front of Agnes. Agnes doesn't seem phased. Vision's losing his mind. He's like, what are you doing? Uh, it's just getting, it's just all building up to the, you know, the epic finale, which I, I absolutely loved. But then we jump back to Sword. The trio, Darcy, Jimmy, and Monica, they're studying the hex. Some really good banter going on here. And then I found it really interesting that in this conversation, it uh, moves to Captain Marvel. And Monica quickly changes the subject and like, oh, we're not talking about her. Let's let's talk about these people. So, what do you what do you think's going on there? Is there some some beef between Monica and Carol? Well, here's the thing. We know that Monica's mother sadly passed away with cancer during the blip. We know that Captain Marvel has, for the most part, been off world, and she was during the blip. I think it's entirely possible that Captain Marvel either wasn't around or Monica wasn't aware of her being around at any point to either just like help her mother or even just to like spend time with her before inevitably passing away. Maybe Maria kind of not so much died alone but wasn't died surrounding by like her, well, her best friend, you know. So I think that's probably where, I th- it's the only logical thing I think that makes sense as, as a form of like, tension between them like i think it's got to tie into that unless there is something else that we don't know about but i can't think of what that could be no yeah i'm pretty much on board with you i think it's maybe she wasn't there at the time of the death so she sort of maybe blames her in a way of some of some sense you know this is a wild speculation i don't think it's the case but maybe in some case Monica blames her for her illness or blames her for her death in some way. I, I don't know. I could be pulling that somewhere. but Yeah, I mean, I, wa- I was careful to say that it might be something like, like Monica might not be aware of Marvel having been there because I think it's entirely possible that Marvel maybe was there for Maria's final moments, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people would know about it. Like, you know, she's Captain Marvel. She can pretty much do what she wants uh, it wouldn't surprise me if she did sneak in just to visit maria and was just like look i'm keeping this on the down low because i don't want to be like surrounded by sword agents asking me a million questions about what the career are up to these days so i think that could be something that ties into the film i reckon we might get like some tension between 
Monica and Carol throughout the film, and then maybe towards the end, like there'll be a scene where like Carol goes like, "Look, Monica, you are wrong. I did visit your mother," and we'll have like a nice scene of like a last meeting between the two, mm-hmm. and then uh, I don't know, or maybe I could be wrong, and maybe like Carol literally didn't go and see Maria at any point, maybe didn't even know she was ill. Well, I think yeah, I think it's 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 good to point out as well because you know it. it for the Captain Marvel sequel, it creates some dramatic tension there, which is, you know, it's good writing at the end of the day. So I think we we then move on to some more interesting stuff as the trio are talking that they quickly realized that Monica's uniform was somehow transformed into Gerald Jean's outfit. So it's like made out of Kevlar and stuff like that. And they sort of come to the conclusion that Wanda is manipulating reality, which again points to your what you said in the first episode, uh, Tom, which is why Wanda's powers weren't created from the reality stone, but whatever, you know. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is, day. yeah. <laughs> uh, we then go back to our favorite place of work, and that's the computational services. <laughs> yes. Vision's place of what work. What do they do? We don't do know. <laughs> that's the big mystery of the season. We'll find out what they produce. Exactly, and we haven't been here since the very first episode, so it was nice to go back here. Now, all in the 80s with their very early computers, and Norm's just like, hey, look, you can send emails and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's just really good comedy. But this is where we get a bit more weirdness, where uh, Vision somehow, you know, they get this intercepted mission that uh, the trio are sending through the email or something like that. I wasn't too sure how they were doing it and then yeah i wasn't 100 percent clear on that one either myself but you know vision's like oh what's going on he somehow turns the computer back to reality or something like that and then he's like oh hang on a second and then he does it to norm he puts his you know his hands on his does his little electric yellow stuff and he pulls norm out of wonder's sitcom reality into a real reality i guess i'm not sure and this is where norm is just freaking out I think it is interesting to point out, though, that it might not necessarily be Wanda he's talking about because he doesn't say a name. He says she. Yes, I, I, I picked up on, on that on the watch through I did before I came on here. Um, and I was like, oh, he doesn't actually say Wanda. So, I mean, and we haven't seen uh, Dottie in a while. Yeah, you know, I, from the first episode, I was kind of predicting she might be Mephisto, but... I'm feeling it less now. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm feeling it less. I think it's more Agnes. Either she's going to be Agatha Harkness or Mephisto, one of the two. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But we then go back to the trio where, you know, they get this drone to come in and infiltrate the Hex. And this is where Wanda gets all crazy magical red eyes. And she's like, oh, shit, you ain't messing with my family. This was amazing. This was probably... Between this and the confrontation she has later with Vision was the highlight of the episode for me. She just comes out of the hex, furious, wearing the costume she she was wearing uh, in Endgame, you know, and she's making it very clear to these people: if you stay out of my home, everything will be fine. And what I what I notice instantly is that the Sokovian accent is back. Yes, I noticed that as well. I'm so glad you brought it up. And I said this: look. When, when, you know, when people come from a different country, when the, we get angry, the, the accent comes back. I don't know why. It just does. So uh, and then with all the guns pointed at her, she quickly decides to mind control all the security people and make them turn the weapons on Hayward. I was like, yes, do it. Kill him. <laughs> I love the casual way she does it, though, where like she kind of like finishes it off with that flurry where she kind of just like waves her hand as she's walking away just in that kind of like really nonchalant like but no i love that whole scene i i just like from the moment she walked out of the head well no the moment she was looking at the camera with the red in her eyes i was like i'm ready for whatever she's about to do just i'm, I'm so my body is ready <laughs> and yeah when she came out threw the drone at them just like oh i think this is yours and also the exchange between her and monica where monica is just like look you let me into your home you help allowed me to deliver your babies on some level you know i am an ally and wanda's just like what could i possibly want from you what you want like i I know we've seen wanda be badass before especially what we saw in endgame but this was another level for me like i was genuinely terrified of her like do you know what i mean like and and it just goes again to olsen's performance in this how she just went from a 
80s sitcom comedy mom to this all-powerful witch that's gonna fuck you up and she would she would do it without any hesitation she there'd be nothing you could do to stop her i'm sure if they'd all fired their bullets at her she would have just magnetoed it <laughs> but yeah she would have just just been like yeah no you're, you're not shooting me. yeah no nice that's, try that's not happening Go today <laughs> no more sword <laughs> You have to stop her! Stop who? She's in my head. None of it is my own. It hurts. It hurts so much. Just make her stop. Just make her stop! At this point, she does, you know, the whole red wall thing where she covers the whole barrier. We just spoke about that earlier. Uh, and then we, we move on to the twins looking for Sparky. And at this point, if you read the comics as well, you're like, oh, I know what's coming here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as we're, uh, when they're looking for Sparky, they, they see the postman again that we saw in one of the, ep the earlier episodes. And I found it, I think it's, again, it's interesting to point out what he said here. He was like, oh, you'll find the dog. Your mom won't let him get far. Yeah, it is like occasionally the real people of the town are like breaking through within the dialogue, but it's like all they can do is throw in passive aggressive digs. <laughs> and that's like the extent of their yeah. thing. Like, oh, small town, so hard to escape from. And then that one, yeah, your mum will make sure they won't get away. <laughs> I, I did pick up on that, and I was just a bit like, hmm, hmm Mr. Mailman, tell me more of your story. The first time we saw him, he was with Agnes, wasn't he? And. When she did the pew pew, and he was like, "Oh, don't shoot! I'm just the messenger." <laughs> don't like, shoot the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, speaking of Agnes, we do see her again now as we find out that Sparky has died due to no. eating Agnes's poisonous bushes. This is this is where it gets even more weird because uh, the 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 twins, you know, they somehow can think that Wanda uh, can resurrect people from the dead. And Agnes is shocked by that, which is weird because nothing has shocked her yet. The twins aging up was nothing. So that that's another reason why I was thinking maybe Mephisto, because if he was just like, just all of a sudden like, wait, wait, hang on, wait, can you legit do that? I mean, he'd probably just, he'd be very interested in that. Equally, Agatha Harkness would kind she of would be as like, well. hang exactly. on a minute. But I also hang think it's really interesting here because in the briefing earlier where Hayward was like, she resurrected Vision. Wanda is making it very clear to the twins here that she she want, she can't bring the dog back to life. You know that she can't reverse deaths, uh, which makes me you know question again: Is she actually responsible for Vision's resurrection? Is he resurrected, or is he so another sort of manifestation? I don't know. This is all this is great writing because it just keeps the mystery going. Do you do you see where I'm coming from in this? I see where you're coming from because, like, it was what I was thinking as well. Because in in my mind, if she could do it, there was absolutely no reason for Wanda not to bring that dog back to life, even if she did it in a subtle way of just like holding the dog and just like doing a hex and being like, "Oh wait, no, I think he's breathing. Oh, he might be okay." Uh, you know, classic um, sitcom stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like there would be no reason for her not to do it, other than the fact that she can't. So then that, yeah, as you said, it raises so many more questions about Vision. Like, I don't know, is he is he really there? Is she just, like, controlling his dead corpse like a puppet? And if so, is she sleeping with it? But this is, but I don't know if it's as simple as that, because the next scene is, is the, the big confrontation that Vision has with Wanda. Like, surely if Vision was a manifestation or creation of Wanda she would have a lot more control because Vision's like fully going for it. And uh, the Bethany's, acti Bethany's acting in this as well. Like I was like, oh, wow. Like <laughs> I've never, ever seen Vision be this angry because he's always been this, you know, calculated, stoic person that, you know, is very logical and, and things like that. Here he is absolutely losing it. And then they get into like the, the flying thing, which was awesome. That shot was awesome. Yeah, I, th I think, like, that does tie into just, like, Vision's comic book personality. Because, like, again, usually he's very calm, very stoic. Except when he's made someone's weapon, or if he's, like, not under his own control. Whether it's through, like, mind control or someone, like, hacking him or something. He takes that personally. 
Like, he absolutely... Like, at one point, he tries to wipe Kang from existence because Kang, like, briefly took control of his body in, the, I think, like, the 2016 Avengers run with uh, Mark Wade and... I can't remember who the artist was. Great art in that run, though. But, yeah, like, he, he takes that very personally. And, in fact... He, there's a comic book precedent of Wanda utilizing Vision's corpse for essentially evil gains, has him like fly a Quinjet into the Avengers mansion during the events of Avengers Disassembled, and afterwards when Vision's back to life, he is pissed at her for it. Like He doesn't find it forgivable. He's like, you took my body, you used it as a weapon against my friends, how dare you? This was a woman he like loved deeply and married, and he was just done with her at that point, didn't want anything to do with it. So I did like that they played that in to the show, because that seemed to be like what he was like, and that line when, when he is like looking at her saying, like, you can't control me like you do them, Wanda. He, he was like trying to give her the benefit of the doubt, trying to remain calm, but as soon as he saw that she just like wasn't having it, trying to shut him out, just trying to be like, look, accept it. Yeah, he lost his shit. It, like switched from human vision to normal vision. Started flying because like he's just so angry at Wanda right now, and he also doesn't understand because he doesn't even remember his life before Westview. Apparently, that was a nice little uh, knowledge drop. I figured it was kind of obvious because like if he had a memory of his life beforehand. But in this, you know, but in this scene as well, Wanda reveals that her memory is very hazy. Yeah, she does because she says something like, "I don't even know how all this started." It's it's all the mysteries are piling up. It's great, man. It it honestly is 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 fantastic, and and I also really like how, you know, whenever the confrontation's getting heated and Wanda wants to like, oh, we're not doing this now, the credits start rolling. Do you know what I mean? Like that's fantastic because you start to think, okay, Wanda is controlling that aspect of this, that whenever something is maybe getting a bit too heated or there's too much tension or Vision is figuring out more than she would like him to. Oh, roll credits. And he points this out as well. That he's like, oh, what are we going to do? Just watch TV or, you know, like... It's it's really interesting because... Yeah, I really liked how they used that as a tool in the argument of just her, like, going like, no, we're done. I'm turning in for bed. The credits start rolling. But the argument continues. And even though, like, the music is playing, they're still having this full-blown argument. And it does just, like... I don't know, it just I really like the whole scene, to be honest. It's just beautiful. As soon as Vision goes from the kitchen to the living room, it just switches from sitcom to like MCU, basically. It's really good. Eventually, you know, Wanda does uh, calm Vision down by, you know, telling him that, you know, you're a father and but it but he, Vision also points out which I've been saying since episode 1, you know, ever since those um the mother's meeting of the going for the children. I was like, but there's no children here. I haven't seen one child. <laughs> and then Vision points this out. He's like, I walk past the playground every day. There's not a single child there. And that it's in itself raises a million questions. Like, because they would have had to have been children in Westview before Wanda showed up. You can't have a whole town, town no children. in New Jersey. Yeah, that has a playground there as well. So, wh where are they? Where, 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 are, where, are, where the, are the where children? Are the children? <laughs> where are they, Wanda? Where, that's yeah, why the they're after them. <laughs> She's like, where are the children? Yeah, the, the whole confrontation scene, though, I think was highlight of the episodes, mainly because of the strength of the acting between Elizabeth and Paul. Yeah, just, just like, as I think, I think it was just like a lot of very subtle revelations, like the fact that Wanda isn't too clear on how this started. Is that because there was another force that started this whole thing, or could it be because she's losing her mind so much that she just can't remember how it all started? Because a thing with depression is you, it can affect your memory. So it could be something as, it could be something as simple as that, that because she's so deep in it now, she doesn't remember the reasons why she started it, how it all started. This will be your only warning. Stay out of my home. You don't bother me. I won't bother you. So at this point now we get to the end of the episode. The huge climax that caught everyone, well, by surprise. I don't know because uh, some of us saw this coming in a way. But nevertheless, it was still amazing to see. 
And that was the arrival of Wanda's brother, Pietro. From another reality. (laughs) It wasn't Aaron Taylor Johnson, the one we saw from Age of Ultron. It was Evan Peters from the Fox X-Men universe. Uh, He was in Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, and Dark Phoenix. So unfortunately, unfortunately, but this is this is fucking massive. I mean, uh, it's we big. it is big. I mean, in a way, we had speculated that he might be showing up in this. I think there were even rumors that Evan Peters was like on set when uh, when yeah, this was in. Yeah, I'm sure that got leaked by someone. Yeah, uh, I think I saw that somewhere. So in a way, I was kind of half expecting him to show up. Nevertheless, it was a great to see him in here. What this means for multiverses in Marvel and how they might implement the Fox X-Men universe into the MCU, I don't know yet. But boy, does this open the door for a, for a big things to come, I think. Oh, yeah, so many big things. I, I, To be honest, I loved how they did the reveal because, as you said, it wasn't really too surprising that we got a Quicksilver appearing in the show. It also wasn't too surprising that it was Evan Peters... And yet, the way they did it, I was still kind of like on the edge of my seat, jaw drops as soon as he appeared. I'll go through my exact mindset, even though I will admit now, my first guess at who it was was like so off base. And just I was kind of like, ah, well, because obviously, like they show Wanda opening the door. There's nothing there. There's rushing around in swords and Darcy's looking at the computer. She's like, wait, what's happening here? Because like initially when it started showing the back of his head and I saw all the gray, I'll admit I first thought, holy shit, is that somehow Ian McKellen? And then they went out a bit more, you saw the black, and I was like, oh no, they actually got Aaron Taylor Johnson back. And then you see the front, and it was like, oh my god. It's, I, I just, I think the very telling line, because I've seen some people theorize already that Evan Peters' is Pietro is actually Mephisto. Personally, it's lazy writing because I think it's too obvious a shock twist to go, oh, you thought we were bringing in like the X-Men, you thought we were bringing in Pietro, but actually it's Mephisto. Doesn't make sense because why wouldn't Mephisto use the Pietro that Wanda knew? It's certainly, he can't, he cannot have a limit on that. It can't be a case of because Pietro's dead, he can't take over his body or like appear like him or just create him. It doesn't make sense. The Mephisto couldn't do that. So, I, I, I don't know. I think it's just people are speculating too much. But I also think that, like, whilst it's a possible twist, I can totally see the show going in that direction as a po- possibility. I think it would be a mistake and a case of lazy writing. Because I think the better case of writing, because what Darcy says, I think, really sells it. It was done as a sort of, like, oh, quite funny, quippy line. But I actually think it holds a lot more importance than that when she says she recast Pietro. Clearly what she's what she's done, whether it's Wanda, whether it's Mephisto, whether it's Agatha Harkness, whether it was maybe the kids, because the kids are aware, obviously, her, like that she's been kind of missing Pietro. She has that talk about earlier him, in the episode. Yeah. With, yeah. And we know they have their own powers. Could be they did something. But I think it's far more than likely that it was a case of she couldn't get Aaron Taylor Johnson Pietro back, but she could pull a Pietro from a different universe. And I think that's clearly what she's done here. I think this is literally Quicksilver from the X-Men films. And it's not some red herring. It's not some, like, trick to make us... Because I I don't think it makes sense as a trick, as I said. You would show Aaron Taylor Quicksilver if you wanted to manipulate Wanda or trick Wanda. Or just, you wouldn't, just, it doesn't make sense to me to have anything else. Well, yeah, because it also goes back to what we chatted earlier about Wanda resurrecting people. If she could resurrect people, wouldn't she bring back Aaron Taylor Johnson? Exactly, yeah. She 100% would. I mean, you could maybe argue that she didn't have his body to hand, but I mean, would it be so difficult for her to get her hands on that? I mean, she broke into a sword institute to steal Vision's body. I'm sure she can rob a grave. I tell you what, uh, a missed opportunity here, I think, because if you had gotten to Aaron Taylor Johnson, I think, the, <laughs> hear me out, right? The big reveal, she would have opened the door. You see in his face and he would have said, you didn't see that coming? 
Oh, that would have been so good. <laughs> that would have been so good. Although maybe they're saving that for a bit later on. Maybe he will show up in some capacity and we will get that line. Or we might get we might get Evan Peters' Quicksilver say that line at some point, maybe, as like a little kind of nod. I don't know. But yeah, as I said, I think it's it's definitely Quicksilver. I don't think it's anyone else because it just doesn't make sense as a trap or trick for Wanda to not like it, it just doesn't make any sense because like we do know he has a sister in the fox universe because he does make a reference to her or, or you do see like her in a picture or something but she's like never mentioned by name or anything um yeah uh, so interesting <laughs> stuff yeah i mean so I, I think that leads to that's basically the end of the episode like what do you think's gonna happen next what do you think the next episode could be because I think from all the marketing, we've sort of sussed out that obviously it's going to be the 90s next. And and the Funko Bops have, are the ones that uh, spoiled that. The Halloween costumes that we see in the trailers uh, are from the 90s. So looks like we're getting that episode next. With also Agnes in the witch costume. Just saying. Yes. Yes, the big, the big clue. I think, uh, I think it's going to be a vision-heavy episode, vision-centric, whatever you want to call it. Um, obviously, we'll get some sword, we'll get some wonder, um, but I think it is going to be mostly focusing on vision. And if you go by like the promo images we've seen in like the trailers, he might possibly find a way out of Westview. I don't know. Some of the shots in the promos looked like he was outside of the gate, or at least like near it. So. That might happen next, and that would be huge if he does manage to break out. But yeah, I think we're going to see more of like Wanda desperately trying to control the situation. We'll obviously get a bit more Evan Peters as Quicksilver. Oh man, I really hope he has a Halloween costume and it's like the old Quicksilver costume with with the big uh, Thunderbolt in, in blue. Uh, sorry, the big Thunderbolt in white and the blue costume. I would love that. All of this is for us, so let me handle it. What is outside of Westview? You don't want to know, I promise you. You don't get to make that choice for me, Wanda! You've never talked to me like this before. So, do you have any, like, um, favorite moments or any particular favorite lines? I wrote one down particularly, which was in the opening scene when Agnes is, um rocking the babies and then she brings out the perfume <laughs> and I, I was I, she's like ralph she's just doing lunges yeah ralph sprays it on me every night but there's no taming this tiger <laughs> yeah wonder's just like it's not agnes's fault she has an unusually high libido <laughs> so good uh, the, so good uh, i i loved that i I just loved like pretty much everything. As I said, the confrontation was one of my favorite parts, especially during the whole uh, credits rolling aspect of it. I, uh, you know, I, I made a, a joke about it earlier, but I did enjoy like the kids as actors, like the young ones and the slightly older ones. Like when they're trying to convince her to like keep the dog, and that one's just like, "We found him outside. He was scared and alone." Just like with the puppy dog eyes, and just wanders just there, like, "Don't no." Yeah, I thought they were, they were quite cool. I will say the only criticism I have is is the the credits. I, I, it, the credits that is its thing. That that that's just gonna be a thing. But it is at times the 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 children's acting. But you know, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt because you know it is you have to with children at times. I think so. Uh, but they you know they they did they were told to do so. You know. Yeah, we can't expect any more of them. And also because of the aging up aspect, they probably didn't want to go out of their way to like book in some expensive child actors because it's just like, you're literally going to last 30 seconds and then you're 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's fine. I'm wondering if by the end of the show we'll see a fully grown billion Tommy and then we're just like, oh, cool, we got Wiccan now. Or whether we'll have a tragic, they'll fade away at the end. But even if that happens they can still come back because that's basically what happened in the comics. They faded away and their souls somehow made their way to, as Wiccan puts it in uh, one comic where like, I think like Wanda's like got him on the floor because she doesn't realize who, who she, he is. And she's just like, 
well, who are you? And in his head, she's just like, I could just tell her, but how would you explain to her that you're the spirit of her departed son who floated into the body of a gay Jewish fanboy? Which is literally how, how he phrases it. And I remember reading that and just being like, that is such an oversimplification of events right now. <laughs> that, seems, that seems to be the theme of this episode. Oversimplification. The theme here, yeah, so... <laughs> So I, I've got a feeling that maybe we won't see a fully formed Tommy and Billy within this series. I think it's more than likely we'll get a tragic bit at the end where maybe Wanda has to learn to let go. And so they fade away and somehow Mephisto's involved. Um, but yeah, in the future then, they have that option of just like, well, people seem to be excited at the prospect of Wiccan being in the MCU. So we'll just, we'll just do it. There we go. He's in the MCU. We've got Young Avengers now. Stature's going to be involved in the MCU going forward, we know, so that's, that's two members you got down right there. You could easily, hell, bring, uh, what was the name of it? Kate Bishop's coming into it. Hell, in Falcon Winter Soldier, you could maybe set up, uh, what was the name of the, 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 the young the young Captain America? Was it like Patriot? Young, it was like Patriot or something like that. Oh, no, but he's going to be a bad guy. U.S. agent. No, I'm thinking of a completely different character. In the Young Avengers, there was that there was that Captain America esque like yeah. Yeah, but I think we're gonna get um what's her name uh Florence Pugh, Black Widow in the Young Avengers. Yeah, that could work. I think that's. I mean, we haven't seen Black Widow yet, but I think it seems like what they're setting up. Yeah. 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 I, I you know I I'm pretty much with you. I think there's gonna be some form of tragedy with the twins. Because it just seems like it's all been set up to that. Like there's going to be some sort of big finale that Wanda finally loses it. And, you know, it's been said ever since these projects were announced that Wanda Vision will lead into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So it, it seems like there has, there has to be some form of tragedy for Wanda to lose it to break the multiverse, basically. Do you know what I mean? So, and it it seems like it makes the mo most sense at the minute that it would be the twins. But like you said, that's not to say that in, if you set up Mephisto in WandaVision, you could always bring him back to resurrect the twins as they've done in the comics. So it's, it's possible. It's possible. Exactly. And I, I hope they do do that because I, th I think it would work out better if they did it that way rather than just like going through the motions, the twins become older and then they're like, okay, we're our established selves now stuff has happened but we've made it i think narratively it would fit better if they did have to fade away or disappear because that would 100 percent drive wander over the edge it did in the comics that's basically why she went against the avengers she discovered that they were the reason or well not so much the reason why her kids ended up fading away but they did make sure she didn't know about it and she kept like forgetting about them so she does have a history of like that causing her to lose it. Um, I'm also kind of interested in these next couple of episodes because we know that big secret cameo is coming up. Also, on that note, on that note, earlier in the episode, as I mentioned in our uh, group chat, Monica's, Monica says, I have an aerospace engineer who might be able to help us. And then you see her type texting or something in her phone, but you don't see who. They they go to great efforts to like show that like she is, like like the fact that they linger on the phone for a bit while she's like sending the text. Like that is basically a sort of that's that's an old way of just cluing the audience into yeah you are going to see this character she's texting in some capacity in the future, um, but we're just not going to tell you who at the moment. Yeah. Who do you th who do you think it could be? Aero aerodynamics. So aerospace. Sorry. Aerospace, aerospace engineer. Aerospace engineer. I mean, let let's think of what options we got here. I mean, if we get out some of the obvious theories that people have floated around first. So we've seen some people talk about Reed, or I think David mentioned some people had said Doom. Neither of those seem likely to me. Aeros Apologies for the pun, but that's a bit of a stretch. Hey. It is a bit of a stretch. Also, as I mentioned in the group chat, I think they've already set up the Fantastic Four by mentioning the missing astronauts. Because if you notice, when Hayward was talking about how they moved away from space travel, he mentioned most of our best astronauts were either dusted or missing. Not just dusted. So there were some astronauts that went missing. There was also a promo image thing for like the upcoming Spider-Man project. I think like in Sony have got like an Instagram account for Flash Thompson's character. 
and they were sharing an image of like the Daily Bugle article going on about Peter Parker being a menace, a Spider-Man, and there was a thing at the bottom saying about bring those astronauts home. So I think already Marvel is sneaking in the Fantastic Four. Long lost bro get to squeeze his stinking sister to death or what? She recast Pietro? Let's uh, finish up here then, Tom. Do you have any uh, closing statements about this episode of WandaVision? Pain. That's my word for this. It's just pain because, like, I, I, in a good way, I'm loving the show, but it's like every week, it's like, oh, thank you for answering all these questions, but now you've opened up 50 million more and I'm drowning under the weight <laughs> of these questions. Uh, it's It's like the first two seasons of Lost where I was just like, what's going on? <laughs> Um, actually it's more like later on in Lost when they introduced time travel and then I was just I was completely lost as they say but I'm loving I'm loving WandaVision so far this episode was absolutely stellar and I do love the way they are building up the mysteries whilst also like answering some of the other ones they've set up um, I don't think people need to worry I've seen people worrying about the slow burn of it all we're gonna get all our questions answered before the end this doesn't seem like a series that's going to get like multiple seasons. It it seems like it's, you know, it's a limited thing. So they will have to answer everything and anything that isn't answered, it will be picked up on probably in Doctor Strange 2 and Spider-Man 3. So uh, that that's my main takeaway. Is some people need to chill out and remember what it was like to watch television weekly and just uh, just enjoy the rides because I am I'm loving the rides at the moment um as much as i'm loving like the theorizing i find i don't need to do much rampant theorizing because i'm just like i'm happy to see where it's going to take me i also don't want to build up my hype too much and think like oh we're gonna get like magneto popping in and it's then like it doesn't happen and i'm like well this show is shit because it didn't have magneto even though it doesn't need it so i think that's the biggest takeaway we can get from this episode is that things are moving in a good direction we're going to get a lot more explanations over the next few episodes. Clearly some more big moments for the MCU and the show as a whole. And I just, for, I for one, can't wait to see where they take us. And I can't wait to see Mordo show up because that's I'm sticking to that. That's I'm sticking to that somehow. He's going to show yeah, up. Shout, shout out to Dave for that uh, theory because that, that was a good one. It was a very good theory and I'm going against what i literally just said but i will be disappointed if it doesn't happen now this show will be unwatchable if mordo is not in it i'm breaking my own rules now <laughs> <laughs> but yeah what did you what's your closing remarks on this episode jake uh pretty similar to you man i adored this episode like it's similar to you but instead of using the word pain i would use the word joy because i was just loving it i was loving that oh my god we got the answer for that and i was like oh shit there's more questions this is amazing it's like because it just gives me something to look forward to each week it, it, i love doing this podcast with you and dave that we're speculating each week it's just amazing that we can do this rather than it being dumped in one weekend sorry netflix and also for like the weekly thing like it's like we do it's fun to speculate you know but i always say speculate responsibly because at, I've, I'm a big believer in it's cool to speculate and have expectations. That's part of it. That's part of fan culture. But at the same time, you have to engage with the story that's presented to you, not the one that's conjured up in your head, basically. And so far, I'm just like you. I'm along for this ride. I might be thinking they're going to take a right turn. But if they take a left turn, hey, man, I'm cool with that because let's see where they're going with this. And so far, I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. So fantastic performances. I, I keep going on about the writing, but I think the writing is spectacular in the show. And uh, yeah, bring it on, man. I can't wait for these last four episodes. Yeah. I, 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 I think uh, ju just to uh, stay in keeping with my uh, uh, title of comic book show, again, I give this episode five katanas out of five. <laughs> <laughs> let's we're making that a thing now that's a thing i'm rating it five katanas that's the thing now tom's gonna rate things out of katanas yep uh right so you've heard our thoughts and theories about this episode but don't just listen to us check out and support fresh take hub where you'll find written reviews for all the episodes and this week's was done by the friend of the show niall glenn so check out and see what he thought 
because uh, he also did last week. So it'll be interesting to see uh, the different comparison, what he thought. So yeah, let's get out of here then, Tom. Uh, where can the people find you? Are you you're on Twitter now? Are you you engaging more with people? Yeah, I'm, I'm tweeting more. So you can find me at Gapper Boy. That's G A P P E R B O I. Yeah, I'm uh, going on there a bit more, throwing on a few more things, mostly one division or comic book related at the moment. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, I'll probably have more content in the future as I start doing more things. As I have free time now because uh, my job has changed, so I've got slightly more free time <laughs> to do comic book things. Huzzah! So yeah, you can um, also catch up with my fellow co-host Dave. He's not here today, but he will be on future episodes of our reviews of One Division and also our upcoming episode of Capes, Cows and Mass, where we're actually going to be exploring the world of the DC animated movies. So check a few of those out. Uh, so yeah, you can catch Dave on Twitter at David Osger, and he's also on Letterbox at David Osger. Uh, same here, you can find me on Twitter at Sweaty Jake, and I'm also on Letterbox at Jake Hart. And for the show, you can find us on Twitter at Capes, Cows, and Mask, and we're also on Facebook. Subscribe and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and if you're feeling generous, give us as a review as it all helps us boost up. Give us a like, share, or follow, and spread the word of Capes, Cows, and Mask to all your friends. If they have questions about One Division, Show them this show as we get to explore all the theories. Well, so we'll see you next week. Same One Division time, same One Division channel. And once again, thanks for listening. Stay safe and take care. One Division. <laughs>